It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me, or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. And good Monday morning, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Sandy today. Happy to be here. Hope you had a great weekend, Father's Day weekend. Hope you honored your dads out there. And, uh, you know, like a lot of us, uh, older in years, and our dads have gone on to glory. And uh, I hope you still remembered your dad and what he's done for you and uh, the good things, the good directions that he pointed you. But uh, I hope you, uh, you know, I hope you really took time to, to really bless your dads out there, uh, wives and and kids. I know I have uh, I have a wonderful family. Two two daughters, son-in-law, wife. Uh, they treated me like royalty this weekend. Really, kind of a special weekend. So uh, here's hoping that you had a great weekend, and uh, encouraged you as we start into another uh, work week. Although some people are off for Juneteenth, I think it is. If you work at banks and stuff like that, uh, you're off for the day. But most of us. Uh, we're reporting to work this morning. You know, I uh, heard on the, uh, an interview on the weekend with um, the new Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears. And, you know, she was talking about the importance of dads. I want you to hear what she had to say. Cut to. And we've left mm. God behind, plain and simple. Mm. And I, I don't know what we're going to do because we keep calling on him only when there is a crisis. And he's probably saying, well, don't you know me at any other time? So fathers are important. We know that. But we have emasculated our men. We have said fathers are not important. And uh, we have, as government programs, removed fathers from the home. And this is one of the reasons why our black community has been destroyed. So there are enough of us now who have said no more. We are done with this because everybody knows that the family is the bedrock of any society because it is in the family that the child learns how to be, how to be cultivated, how to be mannerly, how to have uh, values. And if we don't have that, then things go awry. And you see in our society, our children are looking for meaning. Mm -hmm. Fathers are important. There you have it, yeah, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears. Very wise lady. She has a tremendous testimony how her dad came to this country uh, many, many years ago with just a couple of bucks in his pocket. And uh, you know what? Uh, she worked hard uh, and to attain the position that she has today. She's a military veteran and just has a whole pile of wisdom, as you just heard there demonstrated. So, and she's exactly right. You know, we've, we've demonized, we make fun of dads, uh, these sitcoms down through the years. It's one of the things that irritated me is, you know, the dad was always portrayed as the bumpkin in the family, and it's just not right. Uh, we need to... We need dads to step up, take responsibility, and then we ought to be honoring our dads for that. Well, uh, whilst you're away, probably from news during the weekend, big announcement yesterday 
and uh, we're going to be getting more reaction to this today. The announcement came from a, a group called FINA. Now, it's the International Swimming Federation. That uh, FINA is an acronym for something French, Federation Internationale de Something. Anyway, here's what they ruled. This has to do with the so-called transgender swimmers. And uh, I, I guess the most famous is a guy who calls himself Leah Thomas now. His real name is William Thomas. And he's been in the news a lot because he's been allowed to compete uh, against women's swim teams. Well, here's what FINA announced. Yesterday, they announced a ban on biological men competing in women's events unless they had transitioned before the age of 12. So immediately, because Thomas has said he wants to compete in the Olympics, that would let that out. In other words, uh, this is a, a piece from Miranda Devine responding to this this morning. In other words, transgender athletes who have experienced the enduring competitive advantages of a male puberty flooded with testosterone, such as greater muscle mass, lung capacity, and height, will no longer have an unfair advantage in women's competitions. And, of course, uh, Miranda Devine goes on to say the unfairness is clear when University of Pennsylvania's transgender swimmer calls himself Leah. Thomas started blitzing the competition. Mediocre swimmer, when he competed against males, came a superstar. Now, competing against males, listen to this, folks. Thomas went from 554th ranked male in the 200 freestyle to the fastest woman in the 500 freestyle at the NCAA championships this year. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of reaction to this today. I'll be interested to see what the White House has to say about this. Uh, there'll probably be some court challenges, but it is refreshing to see an organization like, like FINA, this International Swimming Federation, try to put some common sense in all of this. Yes, you know, if you've seen a picture of William Thomas uh, and the muscles and, you know, and, and, and women just don't have a, a, a chance against this guy. And what's amazing to me is, and we've pointed this out so many times since Thomas came on the scene, where are the feminist groups who should be out there supporting female sports against this? In fact, you probably saw last Wednesday, I think it was, President Biden signed an executive order, basically, uh, that said, you know, uh, we're going to change the laws that have been put in place in some states across the country against allowing males who claim to be females competing in female sports. Uh, so I, I expect the White House will have something to say about this today. But it is encouraging that this International Swimming Federation is trying to apply some common sense. Now, the other story that you may have missed came out late on Friday. And this was a decision in Iowa. In fact, it was the Iowa Supreme Court on Friday cleared the way for lawmakers to severely limit or even ban abortion in the state, reversing a decision by the court just four years ago that guaranteed the right to abortion under the Iowa Constitution. That's an AP story. But the story in this is really the importance of elections. Iowa has a Republican governor, Kim Reynolds. And since uh, 2017, she has named four justices 
and six of the seven people on the court have been appointed by Republican governors. So basically what happened in 2018, the court, as it was made up at the time, by a 5-2 to two vote, that court said, quote, autonomy and dominion over one's body go to the very heart of what it means to be free. That was, uh, that was their ruling supporting abortion. So the makeup of the Iowa Supreme Court has changed dramatically. And so that was reflected in this decision that came out on Friday. And that's, I, t- I tell you what, folks, elections have consequences. And that's why it's so important. Uh, groups like AFA Action and others are telling people, you got to get involved. You got to get educated. We're in primary season right now. You ought to be finding out what the candidates think on the various issues. And certainly AFA Action can help you do that with a voter guide that we have. So uh, really kind of two key decisions. The first from the International Swimming Federation and now this Iowa Supreme Court. Today is Monday. We're getting close to the end of June. Not sure if the United States Supreme Court will be ruling on the future of Roe v. Wade in this country, the collective wisdom seems to be that the leaked decision back uh, several weeks ago now will likely hold, that being that Roe v. Wade will be overturned. But we'll have to, to, have to, to wait and see on that. All right. Uh, speaking of that decision, we know what uh, part of the reaction has been. We have protesters and the Attorney General of the United States knows this. We have protesters protesting outside the homes of Supreme Court justices. All right? Justice Kavanaugh. We've heard those stories over the last several days. Well, over the weekend, there was a group called Rise Up for Abortion Rights that protested outside of Amy Coney Barrett's, Justice Amy Coney Barrett's Virginia home. And you know what? I'm going to hesitate to describe how they were dressed, but it was despicable. And then they had baby dolls in their hands, which they apparently threw on the lawn of Amy Coney Barrett's house. Can you imagine? That's what was going on, folks, on the weekend. These protests, as I say, that is illegal. There is a law that says these people cannot do this. But the Attorney General of the United States is sitting back and doing absolutely nothing. I want to bring back uh, Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears of Virginia again. It's what she had to say about this. Cut number one. Well, here we go. Let's do the rundown. They say that men can have abortions, and that was until I saw one of their signs that said, Uh, If you don't have a uterus, you don't get to speak about anything. (laughs) And so it's like, well, which one is it? Uh, You know, what what are we talking about? And then we have where the schools have been part of this indoctrination. And that's why I say school choice now. The money must follow the child and not the brick building. Children belong to us. I gave a speech last night where I talked about one of my favorite uh, programs, uh, the Borg. And, you know, the, the board says you will assimilate you, you. The existence as you know it is over and resistance is futile. They're talking about our children and we're, we're, we're not having it. 
you can't take our children. Our children belong to us. We are their first teachers, and we need the tax money that you give up, that that we give you to give it back to us so that we can decide what schools our children should attend so they don't have to listen to this kind of nonsense so they don't appear on the streets doing this kind All of All right, ridiculous. that's Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears. Some wise words there. And, and what she's talking about, really, because this Rise Up for Abortion Rights group basically made up of high school girls. All right? So you have these protests outside of these justices' homes. A clear, clear violation of federal law with regards to intimidating judges with regards to a decision. But that's going on. It's been going on for weeks, folks. And the Attorney General of the United States, the Justice Department of the United States, is sitting back and they are doing nothing about this. You know, I find it kind of juxtaposed this. Last week, President Joe Biden also announced that he's signing executive orders to go after states with regards to restrictions. And and let's use Florida as the example. With regards to what kids can be taught in school. And President Joe Biden mocking what happened in Florida. He said Florida went after Mickey Mouse Disney. Now, what he was talking about there is that Disney came out verbally and attacked Governor DeSantis for signing a law into place. And here's what this law does, if you need refreshing. This law says that kids in kindergarten through grade three cannot be taught and cannot be under the teaching of someone who promotes the homosexual lifestyle and transgenderism. Joe Biden, the President of the United States, mocked the efforts of the lawmakers in Florida to protect little five-year-olds from that kind of garbage. Now, that's what's going on, and that's what uh, that's what Winston Sears is talking about. It's time for school choice, folks. It's time to take back, mom and dad, the responsibility for educating your kid. Homeschooling is exploding in this country. All right, much more ahead. On this Monday edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning, Fred sitting in. We'll be back right after the break. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network, so... Yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life 
and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Sarah Brundage, Acting Assistant Secretary for Congressional and Intergovernmental Relations at U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. Her office administers federal housing and urban development laws. 2 Peter 1.6 reminds us of the importance of maintaining good relationships. And knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Sarah Brundage in her work at HUD. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country. And we're joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Hey, this is Evangelist Nick Hall coming this summer, Together 22. 50 years ago, Explo 72, led by Billy Graham, rallied an entire generation to share the gospel. This summer, June 24th and 25th, we're doing it again. And it's free. Together 22 will feature some of the biggest names in Christian music, some of the best preachers coming to equip you. More information at Pulse.org. The Burbank Unified School District in California has decided to ban a number of classic novels. To Kill a Mockingbird, Huckleberry Finn on the list, so is the John Steinbeck classic of Mice and Men. School leaders say parents had concerns the books were racist and might harm black children. Now, I wrote about this problem in my book, Culture Jihad. The left is waging a war to erase anything they disagree with. Anything they find offensive must be destroyed. It amounts to a cultural cleansing of our society, a culture jihad. And don't think the book banning is over. Consider this question. If the left was offended by the plot of To Kill a Mockingbird, how do you think they're going to react to the New Testament? This is what the Tear Down the Statues crowd has wrought on our nation, folks. Be sure to download my free podcast, Listen to my national radio show, live noon to 3 Eastern on ToddStarns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to this edition of Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred Jackson sitting in today. Just before the break, we were talking about the latest protest uh, by pro-abortionists outside uh, this weekend, outside of Supreme Court Justice Amy Coney Barrett's house there in Virginia. Uh, As we're talking about, this is a clear violation of federal law. Uh, Another group, Jane's Revenge, has taken responsibility of explosions outside of pro-life centers, pro-life organization buildings. I think it's up to at least four dozen now. And yet our Justice Department sits back and does nothing about these things. Oh, the Democrats are busy. They're busy with that January 6th commission. Heard Newt Gingrich refer to those this morning as Stalinistic. What's going on there? Meanwhile, these protesters, these pro-abortion protesters are breaking federal law, and the Justice Department just sits back. What is going on in Washington? Well, let's go to Washington and talk to our good friend Gary Bauer of Campaign for Working Families. Good morning, Gary. Hey, good morning, Fred. Good to be with you. What is going on in Washington, Gary? (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
You, you know, Fred, uh, th- this is really one of those moments uh, that, that hopefully is a educational moment for Americans that may not be in the battle yet. Um, th- th- this doesn't make any sense unless you realize that it's, it's very intentional. President Biden, Vice President Harris, the Attorney General, they want to intimidate the Supreme Court justices, the conservative Supreme Court justices. I, I would throw Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer into the same category. Schumer uh, infamously stood on the steps of the Capitol uh, about a year and a half ago and named two of the justices. Listen to me, Kavanaugh. Listen to me, uh, whoever the other one was. Gorsuch. Uh, you, yeah, Gorsuch, right. You, you better not do anything to restrict abortion. You will reap the whirlwind. You won't know what hits you. Well, these are justices that serve for life, Fred. What in the world could he have been suggesting there? So they're not, they're not enforcing the law against demonstrating outside justices' homes because they want the justices cowering in fear. They want their spouses and children worried that there might be an assassin outside that would kill their mom and dad. Now, I know this sounds pretty harsh to say. There's no other explanation. The federal law is absolutely clear, and it was passed by Republicans and Democrats, Fred, for exactly this reason, to make it absolutely clear it is unacceptable to try to intimidate the judicial branch of government in order to get an opinion that you want. That would set off a chain of attacks and counterattacks. It really would be a threat to our constitutional republic. So the fact that they're not enforcing that law proves they want the conservative justices to be afraid. They're hoping that one of those justices will get cold feet and join Roberts and the three liberals with an opinion that keeps Roe versus Wade in place. You know, Gary, what I find uh, amazing, we have an administration right now, the Biden administration, uh, when it when it just came into office, uh, declared war on what they called, I think it was white nationalism, uh, yeah. belie- believing it to be the biggest domestic uh, threat in the country. Yet we have this group taking responsibility, Jane's Revenge, doing all of this violence, and I hear nothing from the Biden administration on this. This is kind of scary stuff. It's almost like they're endorsing this kind of violence that supports their particular political agenda. Uh, There's absolutely no doubt of it. That's exactly what they're doing. And look, Fred, it's not the first time. Uh, I mean, all during the summer of 2020, you had these riots taking place. They were called social justice demonstrations. They often would begin uh, peacefully with really you know, big-hearted and good-hearted people participating in marches and so forth. But always within the crowd, there would be radical elements. And as the day would wear on and the sun would go down, the radical elements would then engage in mass violence dragging people out of their cars, beating them up, going into suburban neighborhoods, threatening people in their homes, all sorts of things. People were killed during those riots. In these cities that this was happening in, you 
universally had Democrat mayors, Democrat city councils that had been in power for decades. Nothing was done about it. President Trump tried to call out the National Guard in certain cities. He was resisted by those Democrat mayors. They wanted to create an atmosphere that sent the message to the voter. If you reelect Donald Trump, this is what's going to happen all over America. I have no doubt that it was very intentional and it was meant to frighten conservatives. Gary, in your end of day, your excellent uh, uh, kind of opinion piece on the day's news that you put out each day, uh, last Thursday you said with regards to what's going on in our country and the violence, uh, you said uh, if you're a pastor who has tried to avoid discussing abortion because you wanted to avoid politics, here's a chance to recover your honor. Stand with fellow believers who are trying to save innocent human life and help women in crisis. Uh, that's a pretty strong message to pastors across the country. Well, it, it is, Fred. I uh, I had the occasion uh, a few weeks ago to spend a few days on a retreat with uh, Dr. James Dawson, my old friend, and a few other people. And we were uh, talking about how during these many years we've both been in the battle. You know, it was very common for the left to attack us. I mean, that just comes with the territory. So liberal senators would go after me and him, and, you know, we would get death threats from far leftists and so forth. And that was all part of, you know, being in this process. But what used to be heartbreaking, and it still is, is when you get a letter from a pastor or a priest or uh, elders at a church saying, what are you trying to do? You're Christ. You stay away from these issues. Don't associate these issues with us. Don't associate the sanctity of life with Christianity. Are you serious? So, Fred, as you know, that it's. I think it's only a quarter of the churches in America where the pastor has ever delivered a sermon about the clear scriptural references that God cherishes every life, that he's knitted us in the womb. He knows us from the moment we're created at the moment of conception. And you can go for years in your church and never say a word about that. So it's like, you know, the churches in the 1850s that didn't say anything about slavery because they were afraid they might alienate the local slave owner. That is not the bold presentation of the scripture that we all hope and we all need, and that I think Christ expects us to do. So, look, I, I think I also said in that in that piece that you quoted that um, you know protect these crisis pregnancy centers. Put a you know get some volunteers from your church and divide up the night so that there's always somebody at one of these centers, and it's going to be good practice if you do it because you're going to have to do it for your church sometime soon. Gary, I think the trend line is clear. Yeah. Gary, sometimes I I think, uh, and I'll talk about uh, inside even the evangelical community in our country, there is this idea, and I'm not sure if it it started when Donald Trump was president, but all of a sudden we had what would be normally considered even conservative pastors saying, you know what, Uh, it's not the role of the church to get involved with politics, so I am not going to talk about those things. And and some people said, well, it's because those pastors thought that 
Donald Trump was over the top in his behavior, and they they wanted to divide themselves from from Donald Trump, and and so we see today, and I, I'm 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 stunned by by the figure that you just gave us that only quarter of the pulpits in this country talk about abortion. It is spiritual warfare, and abortion is part of that. Well, you're you're exactly right, Fred. And look, uh, this uh, this idea that oh well, this is just a reaction to Donald Trump. No, it, it isn't. In fact, I would argue that the election of Donald Trump was a reaction of Christians to the failure of Christian leaders and Christians in elected office to do what we expected them to do. And so, you know, Donald Trump didn't create all this. He was the product of it. I would say to the pastors, when they say uh, we shouldn't be involved in politics, do they really not understand that whether we have religious liberty in America or not will be decided by politics? Our religious liberty is in grave danger from the courts. It's in less danger now than it used to be because Donald Trump put so many good court justices on the federal courts that are willing to defend religious liberty. But uh, the courts are narrowly divided, even with his appointments. And we could very well wake up in America, there's already disturbing signs of it, and find that the religious liberty these pastors take for granted is no longer something that they have anymore. So, look, Fred, I know you know this. There is no greater blessing to be, than to be born in America. You know, God knew where we were going to be born. Mm. Uh, you know, so we, we were blessed when we were born in America. This was a gift from God to be born here. And we are treating this gift like it was worth nothing. For a Christian to say, oh, I don't want to get involved in life. You don't want to be involved in protecting the nation that God blessed you when he allowed you to be born into this nation? You don't want to help protect its liberty and its freedom, even at the cost of alienating a few people that disagree with you? I just think Christian leaders need to think a lot more seriously about what their calling is. And, uh, you know, we look back at shameful areas. We look back at the 1840s and 1850s and shake our heads about how pastors would not address slavery from the pulpit. We look at what pastors did in Germany in the 1930s, unwilling to get involved to stop Hitler because they didn't want to rock the boat. So uh, it's a real time of reckoning for all of us, I think, in whatever role in life we're in. Gary Bauer, I mentioned your campaign for working families. How can folks get that? Uh, I get it every day. Uh, really enjoy your thoughts, your reflections on the day's news. How can folks get that campaign for working families at end of days, as you call it? Thank you, Fred. Uh, Jim Dobson said it was the first thing he read every day. They can go to CWF, which is the initials of my political action committee, CWF.com and they can uh, sign up for that end of day. There's no cost. Gary, thank you, as always, and uh, keep an eye on things in Washington for us, please. I'll do my best, Fred. Thanks for having me on. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hey, listen, uh, we got, what, two, three minutes uh, before the next break. I want to just touch on, before we go to the phones in our final segment today, uh, last week, uh, 
there was an announcement uh, from the uh, Food and Drug Administration that he approved uh, vaccines, COVID vaccines, for little kids, six months old. I, I, they're, they're babies, six months old. Dr. Rochelle Walensky of the CDC was absolutely giddy about this. Uh, I, I want you to have a listen to what she had to say. COVID-19 vaccines are now available for children under five. Nearly 20 million children are now able to get vaccinated. We now know, based on rigorous scientific review, that the vaccines available here in the United States can be used safely and effectively in children under five. All right. She said rigorous review. All right. I want you to have a listen. Fox News uh, spoke to one of their medical experts, Dr. Marty McCary, about this. She says rigorous review. Have a listen. He's with John Hopkins University. Have a listen to what he had to say. The FDA and CDC authorized vaccines for young kids based on very flimsy data. The review may have been rigorous, but the underlying data set was extremely uh, uh, flimsy. If you look at the confidence interval in that study, which is our statistic to know whether or not there's statistical significance, that confidence interval was so low, there was no statistical significance. There were no cases of severe disease, neither the vaccinated or the unvaccinated kids, and the only hospitalization was in a kid who was vaccinated. All right, so there you have it. That's That's what constitutes now for the CDC. But you know what, folks? You've you got to be concerned about uh, getting your six-month-old vaccinated. Remember we were told early on in this, you know, that kids, little kids, don't worry about it. They're not susceptible to this. But now all of a sudden, you want to start vaccinating six-month-olds with an unproven vaccination. I hope you're keeping track of even people in the Biden administration Getting COVID after having two COVID shots and being boosted at least three times. Some of these people who are advocates for this, getting COVID a couple of times. So the vaccinations are not stopping you from getting COVID or for spreading it. Yet they made this edict out there. Now now going to apply it to six-month-olds. Got to be very careful, folks. Want to hear from you on this, what we've been talking about this morning federal government ignoring protests outside of justices' homes and what our education system is doing to our kids. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. We'll have a listen to you when we come back on this Monday edition of Sandy Rios in the Morning. Don't go away. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks, the important documentary from the American Family Association, is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. Bishop E.W. Jackson is on a mission. Some people are just embarrassed to be Americans. That, that's a big problem. I mean, I've heard people say that. They're embarrassed to be Americans. I'm not embarrassed to be American. I love my country. I'm, I'm thankful to God that I'm an American. I'm thankful to God to live in this land of freedom and opportunity and hope. And I'm fighting to make sure that that never changes. The Awakening with Bishop E.W. Jackson every weekday at noon central on AFR 
or catch the podcast at AFR.net. You shall have no other gods before me. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. In 1954, Americans lived under constant threat of nuclear attack from the USSR. When America's children practiced duck and cover in classrooms across the country, President Eisenhower realized that our pledge had no distinction from any other republic. After hearing a sermon on February 7th of that year, President Eisenhower signed a law adding the words, Under God, to our pledge. The president recognized the true source of unity, of indivisibility, is unwavering submission to the God of the Bible. As we go about our day, let us all remember the only true source of national unity is submission to Almighty God. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Team Biden's appalling surrender of Afghanistan last year shocked the world. Many were similarly astonished when the U.S. administration effectively encouraged Russia's invasion of Ukraine in February. There can be no surprise about Biden's next and most dangerous failure to deter aggression, namely the war the Chinese Communist Party is poised to launch against Taiwan. After all, a powerful webinar sponsored yesterday by the Committee on the Present Danger China served notice that the CCP is actively preparing for such a conflict. It has amassed the capabilities to conduct one decisively in the absence of effective countermeasures, and all other things being equal, U.S. assets, personnel, and territory will likely be targeted. We may still be able to deter such a world-changing disaster, but we must do so at once, not persist in Biden behavior that instead invites it. Learn more at presentdangerchina.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. And welcome back to Sandy Rios in the morning. Fred sitting in for Sandy today. Um, Sometimes when you listen to the White House these days, (laughs) it's like, do they really live in the world that I'm experiencing right now? And before we go to our phones, 888-589-8840, I wanted to play for you kind of what we call a montage of White House officials. Uh, First, it's going to be Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, then Brian Deese, who was one of Biden's economic uh, advisors, use that term guardedly, and then Jennifer Grenholm, who is the Energy Secretary. All of them, and so you know that this is a White House talking point, 
it, it's like saying, hey, America, uh, don't be worried about what's, what you're paying at the gas pump, what you're paying for groceries, all of those things these days. Uh, by the way, you know, recession is not inevitable. Have a listen. Janet Yellen, Brian Deese, and then Jennifer Granholm. Chair Powell has said that his goal is to bring inflation down while maintaining a strong labor market. Um, that's going to take skill and luck, but um, I believe it's possible. I don't think a recession is inevitable. Not only is a recession not inevitable, but what we as policymakers can do is take steps to build on our unique strengths in the American economy and try to get to that er that stable and steady growth that we all want to get to as quickly as possible. Inflation obviously is happening globally. A recession is not inevitable. The president really wants to have a steady and stable recovery. But of course, one of the biggest pieces of these inflationary increases that we're seeing is the price of fuel. You heard Janet Yellen there, the Treasury Secretary, saying uh, uh, something and, and luck. These are the people that are directing the economy of this United States of America. And, of course, they've said in the past inflation is transitory. You know what? You know, for folks, of, you know, folks like us, we get up in the morning, go to work, at some point during the week, you have to fill your gas tank. You know what's going on. You know where you were a year and a half, two years ago in filling your tank and how much it cost. Going to grocery stores now and seeing the price of, of you know, some folks, there was a, what was that last week? There was a, 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 a neurosurgeon, I think it was in South Carolina, who was interviewed on Fox and Friends. And he has patients uh, in that area, that southeastern area, South Carolina. I think it was South Carolina. And he was saying that he has elderly patients who are now having to decide between buying groceries or going to the follow-up appointment for what he's treating these folks for. They're having to make those decisions. Limited income, Social Security, whatever the case may be. That's where real Americans are living right now. But we have Janet Yellen and Brian Deese and Jennifer Granholm saying, hey, don't worry, be happy. And we're going to depend on luck, as Janet Yellen says. No, it takes action. It takes solid policies to deal with reality. And that's why Americans are so frustrated right now and probably is contributing to the lowest political polling that a president has faced, Joe Biden. His numbers are in the dumper. Why you have some Democrats now that are basically, you know, saying, uh, trying to divorce themselves from Joe Biden. But how you do that, I don't know. Here's my prediction. I don't think there'll be many Democrats over the next three or four months as they're campaigning for re-election are going to invite Joe Biden to their rallies. And some honest reporter has to ask that question, why? All right, let's go to Shirley in Tennessee. Good morning, Shirley. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to say that as an African-American, I know what Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth have in common. All of them were involved in politics, and all of them were preachers. And we can name more people in our history who helped bring us out of slavery, even the whites and Jewish lawyers and all of them who are willing to sue to get us out. But I'm going to tell you, the Christians stood up and made a difference, and they spoke out. So I believe that we 
we should be in politics. And I've heard both sides because actually my church preaches one of our creeds is don't get in politics because when you do, you're responsible for who gets elected. But that's not true. When you get in politics and you stand for Christ, then you're not responsible. The problem that we have today is we don't have many people anymore, like you're saying, who are willing to stand for Christ. So the government, I feel, has been taken over by illegal people who should not even be called president. Biden's not running this country, we all believe. And that's probably why he's not being invited by Democrats nor Republicans. They're inviting Obama and people who are running this country through Biden, I believe. So what I feel we need to do is pray and trust the Lord and know that Jesus did say in the Bible that the virgins would be sleeping at the end of time. This all proves we're at the end. But that he will come back and take his bride, as, and that's who we are. And I'm praying for Sandy to be okay and um, just let her know we love her and we miss her and we thank you for hosting the show because you're awesome also and god bless you i'll listen online all right shirley thank you very much shirley's a preacher there you go good to have you shirley all right let's go to florida and we say good morning to jacques go ahead sir hey good morning good morning yes definitely ditto on what your first caller said and i agree that sandy's going to be okay through everything she's got to go through in the beginning the christian you had to be a uh, believer of uh, a god of abraham isaac and jacob to even hold an office in the united states if you go back and read the founding fathers however you had complete freedom to worship whatever you want in the united states and to be whoever you want to be without persecution but to keep our government straight, Christ had to be in your heart. Uh, in the court system, the plea bargaining system uh, has robbed justice from the accused of any crime. There's no real conviction. In the beginning of the prison system, they broke big rocks into little rocks, and it was free labor. Now it is billable court hours for the judges and the lawyers. And if you know you're not going to come back to get a billable hour, they send you to prison so they can bill your bed. I believe that every bed in America should be reevaluated. When we get this all taken care of, Christ is going to move in many more ways. Also, uh, the uh, there is if everyone that is a Christian would get in the Word of God and seek God, He will disciple. He'll He'll He'll, he'll raise up disciples that can disciple others. Uh, last night or, or yesterday, I heard on uh, Bert Harper with the uh, uh, Exploring Missions uh, that Barry McGuire has established, and absolutely you cannot give him any money. And it is a, a Ignite Action movement, which is to educate Christians and solely for that purpose, that if each and every one of us walk in the light of Christ, that we will disciple, and he will move the sin out of our life at will. But it's all about, it's the whole book. You have to read the whole Bible. You have to know what's what, and he has discipleship there training for that. I did not have a vaccine. I caught a cold early on in this uh, uh, pandemic. I drive a truck from coast to coast. My immune system uh, overcame it with vitamin C. Uh, I overcame it. My immune system stronger now than it's ever been. I have not even so much as had a sniffling nose since <laughs> and what, since the beginning of it. Just that's you know, that, that's people, excellent, keep Jacques. Serving God, keep excellent. serving God, keep Amen. Serving God, He's a God of of, of life. Amen. Amen, Amen Jock. That's great. Uh, we got some good preaching calls. 
calling in this morning. All right, Jenna, uh, is it Genevieve or Geneva in Arkansas? Go ahead. Geneva. Geneva. Go ahead, Geneva. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was just wanting to say about this here uh, vaccine and everything. I'm 84 years old. I've had the I've had the shot and the booster, and I still come down with that COVID. I mean, not the real bad one, but you know the mild one. But I'd be awful careful about giving these there you know six month old babies. I mean, I'm old enough that you know if something turns me into a monster, well, at least I'm close to the age that it won't make anything. But I sure hate to see them babies be vaccinated with something that's not proven. Hey, I tell you what, uh, uh, Geneva, I'm hope I'm as spry as you when I turn 84. <laughs> well, they say I'm just a little touched, and that's all right. I'll just stay the way I am. <laughs> Genevieve, you have a blessed day. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right. You take care. All right. I love that. Uh, Jerry in Texas, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I wanted to talk about the people that are protesting in front of the Supreme Court people. Yes, sir. Is There's a lot of people out there that haven't heard the news or the real news and maybe put up some billboards or something just asking, why is the head of the Justice Department not doing something? Yep. And if that fails, keep it a secret if you're going to do it, but have about a thousand people show up in front of his house and ask him why he's not doing something. Yeah, uh, you know, that would be consistent if somebody showed up in front of his house. Uh, But, you know, I'm sure that's breaking the law, and we would never encourage anybody to do that. But here's the point, and you make a good point, Jerry, and I'll let you listen offline. People need to understand these protesters are breaking a federal law, and we have an attorney general of the United States who has turned his head the other way. And I'm sure it's with the full approval of the United States president right now. Because these protesters are fitting the narrative of the Democratic Party. As many people are well aware, the Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, in the language that he used openly to try to intimidate Justice Gorsuch, Justice Kavanaugh, you know, that he warned them that they would not know what hit them. I'm paraphrasing there. If they did not vote in favor of upholding Roe v. Wade. Now, if a Republican did that concerning liberal justices, the media would be all over it. But we know the mainstream media has gone far, far left. They are nothing more than lapdogs and mouthpieces for the Democratic Party. And I don't say that that's that's not, not guesswork, because polls have shown, Pew Research has done polls through the years, 90% of the mainstream media in this country are all supporting the Democratic Party. All right. I think we have time for one or two more calls. Let's go to Kathy in Texas. Good morning, Kathy. Go ahead. Hey, good morning. How are you? Good, good. Hey, I have a question about um, getting rid of the president. As a private citizen, isn't there anything that we can do? I mean, could I sue him personally since I help pay his salary? Um, is there anything we can do besides just vote? Well, out of office. Uh, yeah, uh, voting is is the way it's normally done. Uh, I I think you go to your member of Congress. Uh, should the Republicans gain control of the House and maybe the Senate uh, coming up this fall, they can certainly impeach him. Uh, encourage your your member of Congress to uh, impeach. They certainly they did it twice with Donald Trump, based on nothing. And I think we have ample proof. We have a president that basically has opened 
our southern border to allow millions of people to come into this country illegally. You know, one of the jobs of a president is to protect the security of the nation, and he certainly has ignored that. So I think on that front alone, uh, they have the ability, not to mention his son Hunter Biden and what we're learning from Hunter Biden's laptop and Joe Biden's involvement in getting his son's deals from China, Ukraine. Uh, Now there's a story out this morning that... uh, uh, Hunter managed to get some sweetheart deals from, uh, with his dad's help, his vice president uh, in Serbia. So uh, there's ample evidence out there, uh, certainly for impeachment. And then there's Article 25 of the Constitution, uh, which is probably a stretch, but that's not going to happen. But we have elections coming up in four months, Kathy. And uh, in this great country of ours, you have the freedom to vote and you have the freedom to get out there and say, I'm not satisfied with what's going on. Here's where my vote's going. Uh, that is still the strongest message. And by the way, folks, we're seeing this across the country. I think you ought to be encouraged by what has been happening over the last 18 months to two years. I think it started last year in Virginia uh, with the state elections there. You had a blue state, a solid Democrat state that went 180 degrees, uh, went Republican. We were listening a little while ago to the new lieutenant governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears, a Christian lady, strong, strong Christian lady with an incredible testimony. She is now the lieutenant governor of Virginia. Things can change, but what does it take? It takes getting up. It takes voicing your concerns, and then it takes action. Be involved with school board meetings. Be involved with city council meetings. That's where it starts. That's what happened in Virginia, and it's being repeated, folks, across the country. You'd need to be encouraged. It takes action, and may the Lord lead you towards that. All right, have yourself a great day. Much more great programming coming up here on American Family Radio. Great to have you with us. We'll see you again real soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.